0: This is Sunny, and this is a Sunny Look at the Bible. Okay, so my first question is, is this pandemic the judgment of God? And because this is global, this pandemic, it is getting our attention and it sets the stage for future government control. So for sure, the question is, is this pandemic the judgment of God? Okay, so I want to speak to that. I want to answer that. And truly the answer to that is no. This pandemic is not the judgment of God. The world is already under the judgment of God. Our actions, because God is a just and fair God and he never changes, we are already under the judgment of God. But not all disasters are the judgment of God. So let me clarify. Jesus said, in fact, in the Bible, that the man who was blind from birth and his disciples asked, like, was he sinful? Were his parents sinful? And Jesus made it clear, no, it's not a judgment that he's blind. He lives in a natural body on a natural earth. Now, Jesus healed him and used it to point people to Jesus and for his glory. But this kid who was blind, who turned into a man that was blind, was not judged. And that's not why he was blind. Second, the collapse of the temple of Shalom. I don't know if you know this, but it collapsed physically, and it killed 18 people. And again, it was clear this was not a judgment of God, which points me to the Twin Towers, 9-11, and all of those deaths. Was that the judgment of God that those people die? No. That was the, the reality of terrorism, the reality of war and hate. That, that was not the judgment of God for people to die in the Twin Towers. So this plague, or because we know that the Bible has talked about plagues in the end days, um, is this pandemic's release, however it was released, and the spread of it, judgment of God? No, it isn't. He told us of what would happen in the last days and in the tribulation, but I'm going to even clarify that further. Jesus said that there would be warnings in the last days. So today we're going to talk about the last days, Versus the tribulation. Jesus did say there would be warnings in the last days, like earthquakes, like pestilence, meaning the great plague. Jesus said, actually in Luke 28, 20, he said, uh, "In the last days things would happen that would cause people to look up." Jesus warned, also in Luke 21:25, right near that, that there would be signs in the last days that would cause men's hearts to fail for fear. I would say we're in a time where it is so unsettling, right? You can understand people's hearts feeling like, okay, I can't do this anymore. Like I, it says men's hearts to fail for fear. But Jesus urged also three three verses later that when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads for your redemption draws nigh or near. This is God, this is Jesus' warning, and also Jesus, yeah, his warning to say, if you look up when these warning signs come, look for me to come and get you. So the second question, does the Bible reveal we are raptured before, during, and after the tribulation? We had someone who's in this study ask, are we, meaning we believe, and of course the Bible has to give us all that clarity, do we believe in that we are pre-tribbed, mid-trip or post-trip. Now last week, and you know what, I I love that we in the last couple weeks have talked about, there's a lot of signs that we could be mid-tribulation that we're raptured. But in my last couple weeks of study, it is becoming clearer and clearer. And as we go deeper in Revelation, it begins to reveal that actually the tribulation is I'm sorry, the rapture will come before the tribulation. So the answer to the question, are we in the middle of the tribulation? is no. We are in the last days. We are at a place where we are having warnings and signs to look up. We're looking up. Now that's metaphorical, but I think that's also literal. That we are to look up because we don't know when the rapture is coming. The Bible says, No man will know. Now here's here's my where Last week, I said one thing, which was, gosh, this really, really, like, we could be in the tribulation and maybe mid-trib, or when the first three and a half years are over, before the next three and a half years start, which are considered the great tribulation, maybe we're raptured then, because this sure sounds like a lot of the warning signs, the warning trumpets. It sounds like we're already going through that. It's almost like God knew he needed to prepare us before the tribulation, and the people who wouldn't go with him in the rapture to have warnings before the rapture comes. So again, they have a chance. And then even after the rapture to go, "Uh uh-oh, yeah, my friend believed in Jesus. They went and I didn't. Oh, I had warnings before the trumpet sounds. They looked alike. They looked similar. But I'm really solidifying more in my mind and heart that we would be raptured before the tribulation starts now we don't know that <laughs> we know in fact that is that's not even speculation that's what the scriptures leading us to but we honestly will never know until it happens here's the problem with mid-tribulation which i kind of talked about the last couple weeks is that if it's mid-tribulation, we're raptured, and we do know the tribulation is three and a half years plus the great tribulation is three and a half years, that gives us a total of a seven-year tribulation. That interferes with the idea that we don't know the day or the hour that Jesus will return. So really we can't be raptured three and a half years in because that literally gave us the day and the time it would happen. And we're not to know the day or the time. So right now, could the rapture come tonight, tomorrow? Absolutely. More likely now than when we know we're in a sequence of ordered events that, that have been predicted because the rapture is actually not to be predicted. So does the Bible reveal that we are raptured before, during, or after the tribulation? My answer now... Again, I could be wrong. All of the theologians could be wrong. Uh, we will know when it happens. But my answer now is that we are, will be raptured before the tribulation. Why? Because the tribulation is the wrath of God on earth. He allows the wrath on earth. So I've come to the belief along with, like I said, theologians that God will rapture us, the church or those who believe and live their life for Jesus before the tribulation, but after the signs of the last days. So right now, are we in the signs of the last days? Yes. Do they look like the warning trumpets that will happen in the tribulation? Absolutely. That's where the confusion comes from. But it's also like a dress rehearsal, just like the government controlling us is a dress rehearsal. And that's why this global pandemic that is the first time something like this has happened globally. And because we have the power now and we have the technology now for a cashless society, for a mark of the beast that could be literally implanted in us. Yes, yes, it is the last days. It's a dress rehearsal for us and it's a dress rehearsal for powers and government. Basically, the pressure... Though in the last days, is that it would allow us right now to look up. So currently, what we're under is the wrath of Satan. We're under the wrath of nature, and we're under the wrath of man. Okay, so when somebody dies, and I've talked about this, when somebody dies, and and you know we get the cliche, God needed another angel. I talked about how that's so silly because it's just not true. It's not biblical. We into and become an angel. Our these little angels and cherubs in heaven. They're not, they're souls. And the Bible's clear that we're a little higher than the angels. Obviously, in ge- geography, we're not higher than angels, meaning in order of importance and connection to God, we're higher in priority and importance than an angel. So we don't become angels. So these cliches of, um, you know, well, or the, the terms like, why do bad things happen to good people? And we're trying to, and we hear, why would a good God let bad things happen? Because we're currently under the wrath of Satan. We're currently under the wrath of nature. Global warming is real, but that's the wrath of nature. That's because of how we've we've used and abused our earth. That doesn't need to be thought of that God is bringing climate change and going to burn up the earth. It's the wrath of nature. The wrath of man is that men would murder other men. And uh, three Russian doctors, maybe this is false, but I read it, what seemed like a, a legit article, three Russian doctors pushed out of the same hospital within a day or two, killed to their death. I think the third one is in critical condition. Um, That kind of stuff is not God's judgment on Russian doctors. That's the red man, and I doubt all three committed suicide. Uh, They don't have access to guns, so this has been something that's happened that that there's been murders out of pushing somebody out of a window in Russia. So that's the wrath of man. So the signs of the last days or the warnings are like the natural disasters of the 1918 pandemic. The last days are warnings to look up. The 1918 probably did bring people to Jesus. 9-11, people went to church. People were hungry for God. More people, were they their attention was gotten. So did the wrath of god do that no the wrath of man hatred the wrath of satan made the twin towers happen but what god made good of it is that it allows allowed people to urgently look up now a few years after that people forgot they might not have forgotten about the twin towers but they forgot about that feeling that urgency that we now feel for a time like now this pandemic so this current crisis is a glimpse of a far greater disaster and it's awaiting Unbelieving people in the millions. Right now, we're losing thousands. We're losing tens of thousands to the death of um, people due to this pandemic. But this is, again, preparing people for the millions that will die. Remember when we were in Revelation 6-8, it says, Now I saw a pale horse, and its rider's name was Death. And there followed after him another horse whose rider's name was Hell. They were given control of one fourth of the earth to kill with war and famine and disease and wild animals. That was Revelation 6, 8. We went through that. We will be raptured prior to that happening, but we've had a dress rehearsal. We've had a dry run of this. We now know what it looks like to have thousands lost, but there will be one-fourth of the earth originally lost. Also, even though the Antichrist might be born before the rapture, that's very possible. The Antichrist could be living right now, but he won't be revealed as the Antichrist in what we're going to learn about today until after the rapture. We won't be forced to, I believe we won't be forced to bow down to the Antichrist. Why? Because we chose Jesus first. Because we didn't mess around and play around with this. Gary Harmeck, he's the pastor of Cornerstone Church in Virginia, said, This feels apocalyptic. He points out that pestilence, which means widespread disease, and the Bible uses the term pestilence, is a harbinger. You guys, any of you read that book, The Harbinger? Sean did, I didn't, uh, but it's called The Harbinger, and it's about the end times. He says uh, that this point... He points out that pestilence, widespread disease, is a harbinger or precursor to the end times. We do know that Luke 21, 11 states, and there will be earthquakes in various places and famines and pestilence. But then also, there's this great, uh, great wise theologian and doctor. He's a professor. His name is Dr. Ed H- Heinson. He said, I believe God is using this natural, k- k- kata- sorry, I believe God is using this natural, catastrophe to warn us of worse things to come in the future. In fact, a whole series of natural disasters have occurred in recent years to get our attention. Hurricanes, tornadoes, floods and earthquakes have shaken our planet time and again. Imagine what our world will be like when the rapture occurs and the tribulation begins. Global panic will be out of control, resulting in the rise of a global leader who will immediately impose government sanctions on the global economy, so that one can buy, no one can buy or sell without the approval of his mark. And we talked about that um, in Revelation, and we're going to talk about that today, Revelation thirteen sixteen. So the bottom line, the biblical prophecies show us that the rapture is for believers and the tribulation is for unbelievers. And I'm super grateful that through the weeks and through my studies, I've uncovered that because you know what? Yes, it feels like the tribulation, but I'm so glad that the promises, according to how it seems in Revelation, that we don't have to go through the tribulation, which, you know, I mean, we think about locusts and all that. We haven't, you know, this Japanese, hornet my lord I'm like what and that again gives you signs but isn't it interesting that how that even could desensitize people that during the tribulation could we have people that uh say oh we've heard of that Japanese hornet it kills people but then in the tribulation locusts are let loose bugs that are killing people and Satan has tried to use What Jesus used as warning signs to look up, Satan tries to use, because it's the wrath of Satan right now. Those kind of things to say, we've lived through a pandemic, we've lived through hornets, and this is just locusts. And it's like, no, that's later going to be part of the signs of the tribulation. So let's get into chapter 13 and start with verse 3. Let's assume right now the rapture has happened. So the beast and his wound is talked about in Revelation 13.3 13.3 and it says and I saw one of his ha- heads as if it had been mortally wounded and his deadly wound was healed and all the world re- marveled and followed the beast. Could this be I ask the economy is so badly wounded by the miracle that he brings about. Uh, so the beast. He is the one who will bring about a uh, change. And it will make people believe in him. But first, it's badly wounded. So could it be our economy? It says, and his deadly wound was healed. The recovery of the beast will increase his fame and authority. Because it says in that same verse that all the world marveled and followed the beast. Could this be the cure? And it leads to world peace. Then it says the words wounded, healed. And we're talking about the Antichrist, who even imitates Jesus in his death and resurrection. The world will believe this. And if we are gone before this happens in the rapture, people will say, oh, you know, maybe they had it a little right that there's a death and resurrection and a coming back. But this is actually the real Messiah. That last thing, that was a mistake, just like Orthodox Jews believe that, they're still waiting on the Messiah, that Jesus wasn't their Messiah. Why wouldn't after the rapture, people say, well, that was a counterfeit, but we're going to believe this new one, the Antichrist. They won't call him the Antichrist. Verse 4, so they worshiped the dragon who gave authority to the beast. So the dragon, remember, was Satan. As people worship the beast and de- bow down before the beast government, the Antichrist, it may be that they don't know they're bowing down to Satan himself. They clearly will worship both the beast and the dragon, but their worship of the dragon may be unknowing. Let's think about this. Satan worship becomes more and more popular each year, but it's still only a tiny fraction of people who openly worship Satan. So this is because more people expect Satan to be ugly and horrible. They don't expect that the the Satan, the dragon behind the beast will probably be beautiful. In fact, 2 Corinthians 11, 14 through 15 says, Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves, demons, into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. He's the father of lies. He is right now. He will be then. Okay, 13, 5. And he was given a mouth speaking great things and blasphemies, and he was given authority to continue for 42 months. Then he opened his mouth in blasphemy against God to blasphemy his name, his tabernacle and those who dwell in heaven. Okay, (laughs) this is speaking about the blasphemer, and that's more of an accurate title than Antichrist he's probably not going to be called Antichrist. He's probably going to not even be called a dictator. But what he could be called, we would, if you know, anybody who chooses Jesus would, that he's an obvious blasphemer, one who speaks against God or anything that God stands for. Uh, Some of the Roman emperors of really John's time, even, uh, they were blasphemers of God, but they did not fulfill all of the prophecy. That's why we know that the Antichrist hasn't lived yet. Uh, many today have blasphemy. So, what is blasphemy? In fact, some of you, this is a side note, might say, I've heard that the only unpardonable, unpardonable sin is blasphemy, and that is denying God. And so, some will say, Well, I've heard you can't be forgiven. Well, that's denying God to your death you're not repentant. So now if you turned from your wicked ways or your unrepentant self and you accepted Jesus and you asked forgiveness, you're no longer blasphemy, blaspheming, so you can be saved. So blasphemy or people when they get stirred up and how do I know that I'm not, you know, doing the unpardonable sin, I can't be forgiven. Well, if you're worried about it, you can ask forgiveness and you're not committing it and you're forgiven. Okay, that was a side note. The verse goes on to say, And he was given authority to continue for 42 months. The beast continues without restraint. God doesn't restrain him for a period of 42 months, the familiar three and a half years. So the duration of the period shows that the beast has full reign for the first half of the final seven years. And during that whole time, he's still under God's authority, okay? Okay. God's allowing him to unleash this, but he's still under God's authority. So why does the beast blasphemy those who dwell in heaven, it said. This means he speaks against those who were taken in the rapture and are now out of his reach. Again, this could point to that we're already gone because he's mad we went up to heaven. It says it was granted to him to make war with the saints and to overcome them, and authority was given him the un- over every tribe, tongue, and nation. All who dwell on the earth will worship him, whose names have not been written in the book of life of the Lamb, slain from the foundation of the world. That was verse 7. It was granted to him, that part, to make war with the saints. So satanic persecution during the tribulation period, that's going to happen. The government of the beast will persecute and kill all those who don't worship the beast. Again, he won't be called the beast, but it means that you will need to submit to that uh, that government or to that person. But it says he will he will work to overcome them. Overcome does not mean that the beast can overcome people's faith. We'll still, the people left behind, still can choose Jesus. He could kill them and take their lives, but the beast cannot overcome uh, their belief in Jesus if they want to change. So who are the saints and who are overcome by the beast. Again, because of various views of the timing of the rapture, you know, the pre-tribulation believe, what I'm talking about is that the saints are God's people and, and he wants to go after the people who are in heaven. But those who believe in the pre-trib believe also that these saints are... That are talked about right here are God's people who do come to Jesus after the church has been raptured. It's going to be harder to try to stand up for Jesus and follow him, but there will be more saints allowed. Um, all who dwell on earth will worship him. So the final world dictator will demand and receive worship from the whole earth, but those who worship him pay the price. They are whose names have not been written in the book of life. So how will uh, all who dwell on the earth worship him. I'm going to give you five ways. It will probably be after the pattern of worship demanded by the Roman emperors in the days of the early church, if you wanted to study that. Second, uh, there were times in the early church when all residents in the empire were required to burn a pinch of incense before a statue of Caesar and say, Caesar is Lord. Now, in modern times, we know, you know, with Hitler, he you had to salute uh, you had to wear the markings that you were following him. Number three, Christians refused to do this; they were persecuted and will be persecuted then, uh, now, like they were per- persecuted before. Uh, four, this is how the Romans saw it as an act of political allegiance, but Christians see it as an act of religious worship. So, what's going to happen is that the Antichrist is going to say, "This isn't spiritual; this is a political allegiance. You are you loyal?" And we already know we're all set up, especially in America, let's be honest, that where's your allegiance? And then fifth, after the rulers of the 20th century, like Stalin or Hitler, it isn't hard to imagine a dominating world leader demanding such a declaration of allegiance. So those are the ways in which allegiance could look. So the book of life contains the names of all gods redeemed. That's what it's called in Revelations 2015. We'll get to that next week, our final week. But the idea is that worshiping the beast and having your name in the book of life are opposite. You cannot worship the beast and have your name in the book of life. Again, we have to choose. Then it says the Lamb slain from the foundation of the world. This title for Jesus remind us that reminds us that God wasn't surprised by the fall of Adam or any other fallen nature of man. God isn't making this up as he goes along. He knows that the Lamb was slain in the beginning, the middle, and the end. But the slain Lamb, Jesus, and his sacrifice is still available even in the first part of the tribulation. Okay, now the second beast. So we have the dragon is Satan. We have the first beast we just talked about, the second beast. This is verse 11. Then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth and he had two horns like a lamb and spoke like a dragon. So let's look at some key things about these verses. It says, then I saw another beast. This creature represents someone like the beast rising from the sea because the same word beast is used to describe them both. But at the same time, this is a different beast. They are a different beast in origin because one comes out of the sea and one comes out of the earth. Remember I talked about a week or so ago that the sun is a representation of God, but the stars, the earth, the moon, the water are are often shown as in opposition to God or in opposition to the sun. Interesting, right? So one beast comes out of the sea, one comes out of the earth. Here's just a little another reason to not uh, be all about the, are you earth? Are you, what is your aura? It's all messing with something that is clearly not uh, to be prioritized. Uh, So they are different in rank, these beasts, because the second is subordinate to the first. I'm going to describe that in a minute. They are different in appearance because the second is mild. It has a lamb-like appearance. It says, he had two horns like a lamb. So the two horns may express the fact that the beast has authority in two realms, such as a religious and a political authority, or it may just simply mean that it had two horns like a lamb. That's kind of funny. It could mean something really major, or it could be it's supposed to look like a lamb with two horns. Um, Then it says, it spoke like a dragon. So despite its lamb-like appearance, the message of the second beast is the same as the message of the first beast. Spoke like a dragon doesn't mean it was like rawr. It means that wasn't very scary. Anyway, uh, it doesn't mean that it was scary. It means that it speaks the words of Satan. The dragon is Satan, and it speaks the message of the dragon. So the second beast is called the false prophet. So we've got the antichrist was the first beast, the second beast is the false prophet, and it is someone definitely different. This is the unholy trinity, right? This is the first beast, the antichrist, the second beast, the false prophet, and the dragon that we originally saw Satan. It's the unholy trinity. If we were to I said this last week, but I'll repeat it. The dragon is the anti-father. The beast rising from the sea is the antichrist, and the beast rising from the land is the anti-Holy Spirit. All right, the second beast job description, I want to tell you that. It says in verse 12, he exercises all the authority of the first beast. So the beast rising from the earth is essentially a satanic prophet who leads the world to worship the beast and the dragon. He also performs great signs, it says. The beast rising from the sea... He has signs and wonders. That's why it's called the false prophet. He has signs and wonders to back up his false teachings. This is why there's a lot of websites who are like, false prophet, the watchtower, this guy's, you know. Okay, but here's the deal. We These things will probably be happening after the rapture. But there's definitely, and just like we talked about, there's a spirit of the Antichrist. That is the spirit of anything anti-Jesus. There can be a spirit of a false prophet, but the false prophet has not appeared yet. Is he born yet? I don't know. But he hasn't come on the scene that we know. So a specific miracle of the false prophet is described. It says he makes fire come down from heaven on the earth in the sight of men. One commentator said this, and I'm going to quote, it is important that John highlights this miracle. In the eyes of the deceived world, it answers the miracle of the two witnesses who ministered during this period and are persecuted by the Antichrist and false prophet revelation remember that in 11 chapter 11 to the deceived world this also puts this false prophet in the class of elijah we can imagine the false prophet is saying let the true god answer with fire and then performing his deceptive miracle again i want to quote from another article i found because these were just gold knowing all this the emphasis of signs and wonders among christians is frightening even today, okay? Some Christians say or think you can really know where God is and where his power is by signs and wonders. Thinking this way is to leave yourself wide open to deception. Years ago, there was a large multi-denominational conference of people who thought this way and their slogan on a huge banner over the conference platform read, unity under signs and wonders. That's a unity that Satan, the Antichrist and the false prophet could all join in. Signs and wonders will present among Christians, but the real marks of God's work are love and truth. There have been a lot of cult leaders that they've had the signs and wonders, and they have actually called themselves God or the Messiah. They're not trying to say, Hey, I'm Satan, come follow me. Uh, The children of God, that. Literally was called the children of God, and it was a terrible cult. Uh, And then, even denominations who would, as this one did, say unity under signs and wonders. I mean, it should have scared them to talk about unity, but Satan, the Antichrist, and false prophet what's to say that they don't join into a religious movement? And it appears like, wow, they're able to perform signs and wonders, this false prophet is. Uh, but how amazing, because this all was under the foundation of of such a good thing, a, a religion. Okay, it goes on to say, He was granted power to give breath to the image of the beast, that the image of the beast should both speak and cause as many as would not worship the image of the beast to be killed. So the beast rising from the earth will use a deceptive animated image as the focus point of the worship of the beast. Again, this is saying there'll probably be a graven image. But think about the the dictators who had statues up and then when they fell, you saw people put a rope and tear that dictator, that that president or that ruler down. This has happened before. It's not like it's going to be weird that it happened again. We're not talking little, even Buddha. Buddha is a graven image. It's the epitome of A false god okay so this is the summation of the power of the antichrist whose authority ends after 42 months again this marks the halfway point of the final seven years of man's rule on the planet the Antichrist's power ends as soon as it peaks three and a half years and then the great tribulation not just the tribulation so the first three and a half years is the tribulation the last three and a half years is the great tribulation so enter now the great tribulation Now we're in chapter 13, verse 16. He causes all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and slave. Doesn't that all sound wonderful? Don't you hear, don't you have stars who are doing a -a music-a-thon and, oh, we're here for the small, great, rich, poor, free and slave, the great speeches. But... He causes all of them to receive a mark on their hand, right hand, or their forehead, and that no one may buy or sell except one who has the mark of the name of the beast, the number of his name. He causes all to receive a mark under the government of this beast uh, and his associate. We all will give; they all will be given a mark. Without the mark, you can't buy or sell. Since the ancient Greek word for mark, it's actually uh, a different word, and it isn't. It means mark. Uh, it isn't generally applied to people, but a symbolic mark. So for instance, uh, the the uh, coin that was a Greek coin, uh, it had the mark or it had the numbers or it had the name of Caesar. So what this is saying is that uh, it doesn't mean that you'll get 666 on you. The other thing I want to point out is that we... Hopefully, we what I'm believing in faith and what I think the Bible points to is that we'll be gone before we get to the point where we have to get the mark. So yes, there's technology. The Microsoft patented thing, the patent 2020 6 Either Satan showing his hand and they're messing with us Christians or Bible believers who go, oh my gosh, they did not say 666. We looked it up on Snopes. And it said partly true. The patent does not say 666. The patent says 060606. Well, that makes me feel a lot better. Here's the great thing if the rapture comes for all of us right now who can choose Jesus, we're all out of here. Now, the technology exists, obviously, the little rice size. Microchip exists, obviously. I said last week that there's a company in Wisconsin that three years ago embedded it in their employees. There's an article from the Today Show that three years ago, which is very interesting to me, a lot of things three years ago were were surrounding a lot of these signs. But anyway, um, they had the chip and there's all this technology and now they're saying everyone worldwide should get a vaccine, but then how do we prove people have a vaccine? Well, they have to then um, you know, be marked... Or have some kind of thing besides your phone that proves you've had the vaccine. Well, if I thought that I'd not be raptured before I'm forced to get the mark, I'd be more nervous. Right now, it's unnerving. But what that says to me is, gosh, is the rapture coming quicker? That we're so there and we have every reason to get a vaccine and then a mark or a microchip to keep our, our medical records so that police, as they're letting us in large gatherings, they can scan our right hand where the chip is or our forehead where is there a dye that's invisible to the eye, but we can be scanned to be led into large gatherings, to be led into the workplace. We're so right there. But if but if the rapture comes before this is required, that means are we that close to the rapture? I'd say look up and be ready is my warning and is my uh, heart for all people right now. The mark on the right hand of the forehead though is also a copycat of Jesus because he can't be creative. Satan can't be. All he can do is imitate God. So we shouldn't be surprised with this either. This is like the phylacter- the phylacteries. Phylactery is the name. It starts P-H-A-L. Phylacteries of Orthodox Jews today and even before Jews would have a phylactery and what it would do is it would... Uh, remind them of who they belong to with the law on their hands. In fact, they wrap now, they wrap their arms with uh, leather straps and they have scriptures. They also do it on their head where they can have a phylactery to remind themselves of the laws and who they serve. So no surprise that it is in the hand and the forehead. It says the number of his name, this was a common concept in the Greek that both um, letters and letters had a no, numerical value as well. So in Hebrew and in Greek, like A in Hebrew equaled one, B equaled two, and so forth. So, for example, graffiti in the ruins of Pompeii reads "I love her." Number is five four five. So, like me, Sunny Sean could say, "I I could carve on a bridge. I love." sunny whose number is and it's this code but it's not hard to figure out if sunny is a sunshine or sunny is a numerical so we won't literally get 666 it is the number and it says in verse 18 here is my wis- here is wisdom let him who has understanding meaning if you can use your head calculate the number of the beast for it is the number of a man his number is 666 well, six 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 was the number of Nero Caesar. Nero Caesar was the Hitler of the day. He was the persecutor of Christians. So John, who's writing this, is putting into perspective. And they would have read six six six. They would have went Nero Caesar. He's saying it's like that guy. Later on, it'll be like a Nero Caesar. Uh, also, six 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 means anti. Shema. And Shema was an allegiance to the one true God. That's the phylactery I was talking about. So the 666 is saying against an allegiance to the one true God. So it's a number. Um, One person, one commentator said that the number 666 may point back to Solomon's wages because 1 Kings 10.14 says that Solomon received yearly 666 talents of gold. That might be a stretch, but this is kind of interesting to me. Maybe this suggests that the Antichrist, like Solomon, is a good man who becomes corrupt. John and everyone would have totally believed that Solomon started out strong And then he completely was corrupted by sin, the world, by 700 concubines, by wives from all the nations that didn't serve God. And in the end, Solomon was corrupted. So the modern interpretation could be that he started out great. The Antichrist might start out great. In fact, this is what Sean believes. My husband, who he's read all the Left Behind books, watched the Omen movies has, you know, read books on the rapture and the end times. He believes that the Antichrist probably will be born as just a man. But just like Jesus was confronted with Satan in the wilderness and Satan said, just bow down to me and I'll give you all the power. I'll give you, I'll let you turn stones into bread. I will let you rule all the earth. Well, Jesus is thinking, dude, I wrote all that. I rule the earth. But Satan has been coming to people forever. And he still does. He goes to people and says, you just bow down to me and I will give you all the fame and fortune. And so for Solomon, Solomon sold out. And this Antichrist could be someone that started out fine, but they sell out for all of the power. That's what Sean believes, that this Antichrist will actually become possessed by selling out. Great thing is we don't have to worry about it because the rapture comes first. So I wonder, would Satan really show his hand that clear with a microchip of 60606? Or is he just messing with Christians? I don't know. All right, chapters 14 and 15. Basically, I'm not going to go line by line on those. Um, Chapter 14 talks about the 144,000. But remember that the book of Revelation is constantly overlapping and retelling the same stories, the same symbols and visions. So in Revelation 7, it talked about the 144,000. They're seen at the beginning of the Great Tribulation on the Mount of Zion. And it shows that, that they are there at the end of the Great Tribulation. So this could be what Chapter 14 is saying about the 144,000. It could be saying that Jesus raptures us beyond 144,000 people. Then there's the three and a half years of tribulation. Then they show up, the 144,000. They're probably the martyrs. They're the representation of the children of Israel, not the children of Israel, but the tribes of Israel, his chosen people. They show up on the Mount Zion. Could they show up halfway between the tribulation? maybe, at the beginning of the Great Tribulation, but it's clear that in Revelation 14, it shows them in triumph at the end of the Great Tribulation. The Great Tribulation's the last three and a half years. Basically, they're getting to stand up there and go, nanner, nanner, they're in Jerusalem looking at Satan and all he's been attempting during the Tribulation going, look at us, we're with Jesus, we win. Chapter 15, again, this is uh, signs, Repetition, which is very typical of Jewish Jewish apocalyptic writing. So then, lastly, chapter sixteen, which we thought we'd never get to, and I know I added another week next week to get through the final, the the battle of of where the battle of Armageddon and the end battles and the final judgment, all of that. But chapter sixteen, uh, it says, then I heard with a loud voice from the temple saying to the seven angels, go and pour out the bowls of wrath on the earth. The last bulls are directed against the beast and his government. So the fifth bull is a plague of darkness, and that's probably literal darkness will fall. And then the sixth bull, so the fifth bull's plague of darkness, the sixth bull, and you can go back and read this in chapter 16, are where the armies are gathered for the great battle. It says the great river Euphrates. It's like, is that really going to be where it's at? It says the Romans, though, considered Euphrates to that river to be a secure barrier against the invasion of empires of the east. Now, it's very clear that Israel will be invaded by countries of the east. I talked about that last week. I hope you didn't miss it, where I talked about how uh, Persia is present day Iran, where uh, We do think because they're going to be invaded by the east, it will probably be many nations, but China has 1,300,000,000 people and massive military force. The United States has 300 million people. So there's only another 1,000,000,000 people in China. We know that they're powerful. And because Israel will be attacked from the east, it's believed that it could be Russia, which is present-day Magog, which we'll talk about next week, Uh, China, which is a powerhouse coming from the east, Iran. And so basically, this sets up the final battle. This sets up the battle of Armageddon. Now, what I want to do is I want to take next week and I want to talk about the possible chronological order of where we are right now, we're in the last days, the rapture, the tribulation, the great tribulation, Armageddon, the judgment seat of Christ versus the white great white throne of judgment, the second coming of Jesus. I want to go into all of that next week. The chron- I want to go through everything chronological and then what I want to go through is the battle of Armageddon and when it is literally said it is done. Although you will see in chapter 16, which I just breezed through today, so you could definitely read that Chapter 16, verse 17, it talks about the seventh bowl, the final judgment. And it says, Then the seventh angel poured out his bowl into the air, and a loud voice came out of the temple of heaven. Coming out of the temple of heaven, pretty sure that's God or Jesus. And from the f- throne, saying, Well, from the throne, probably God, saying, It is done three things that you can know about Revelation 16, because I skimmed over it, is that it is a great chapter. Meaning, in Revelation 16 alone, it, says, it describes great evil, a great city, and great Babylon. It describes great tools of judgment. It says great heat, a great river dried up, a great earthquake, great hail, great plagues. It also describes a great God, his great voice loud, it says, uh, and his great day of victory. So I love that it leaves us there. And then in Revelation 17, which is your homework for next week, read that. We'll go through Armageddon, which began in chapter 16. And we'll talk about the chronological order of the end of days. So are we in the last days? Absolutely. We are. We are in the last days. What does that mean for uh, what does that mean for us that we're to look up? That this is a dress rehearsal that we should be very glad we're getting to live through and we're getting to turn to Jesus. And in fact, I wanna point you to what is our response? It is to have hope in the Lord in the future. It's also to, by the word of our testimony, the revelation talked about that, by the word of our testimony, we will help people come to Jesus. Thanks for joining me today. For more great content like this, check out Cheery Conversations, available on all podcast platforms. You can also go to sunnyhennessy.com to connect with me and find out all the things going on in my head at all times. See you next week.